Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Hey everybody, welcome back to Podside. As seems like every time, well, I guess every time I'm here, I'm here. So yeah, we're joined by me, Pete, of course. And uh, once again, we have uh, Carlo, our, our new and wonderful co-host with us. How are you doing, Carlo? I'm doing okay. Okay, awesome. And we have, uh, we have brought a friend. So I don't know if you guys have read The Big So-So. I have read it a number of times now, only within the last week, but I'm really pumped about it. And we have Erica Satifka with us, who wrote it and has an upcoming book. How are you, How are you, Erica? Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, you know, I, I, you know, glad you liked the story. That's one that was like, God, it was published like three or four years ago. So, you know, and I'm glad that people are still reading it. <laughs> Well, I think I brought it up because if I'm remembering correctly, your upcoming uh, novella, Busted Synapses, is based in that same world, um, right? No, it's it's a different world. Um, Busted Synapses is actually, uh, it's a cyberpunk um, story. It's actually what I hope will be the first in a series uh, that's set in uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, a very, you know, common place to set a cyberpunk novel. <laughs> um but yeah, it, um, it's in a different place. But most of my stories do take place around the general Pittsburgh area. I live in Portland now, but I'm from there. So most of them revolve around there. And you know, like Stephen King, I kind of think of them all as being the same thing. Do you, do you blow up the town at the end? Um, I do not blow up the town at the end. Okay, fair enough. But, but that's, that, that's, that's that, you know, spoiler alert, the town does not blow up. Okay, yeah. So, sorry to ruin Damn. anything, folks. Damn it. So, I mean, as I only have one data point so far, of course, uh, the, the the one story from a few years ago, but uh, it really excited me. What? How did you get into cyberpunk? Have you been a sci-fi reader all along, or did did you take a left turn at the uh, at your uh, literature degree, or what happened? Um, I kind of. Uh... It started maybe probably a little bit later than other people. Uh, whenever I was a kid, I just kind of read whatever books were around the house. My parents are not sci-fi fans, so that was not sci-fi. So, you know, just basically whatever. And then once I got into high school, I started finding, uh, you know, that I liked sci-fi, that I would, you know, pick up uh, Bradbury, Vonnegut was one of my favorites. Um, Philip K. Dick I got into in college, so a little later. Uh, and... Uh, you know, and William Gibson being one of the few ones from the 90s who, uh, because again, like I was a kid in a small town. There wasn't a lot of bookstores. Uh, the you know school I went to was not particularly up to date. So we had pretty much just the classics and we had a lot of uh, old anthologies. So I kind of came up uh, in high school reading nothing but like, you know, 60s and 70s sci-fi. Yeah, that that actually pretty much sounds like me growing up too. Of course, my parents were so happy to see me, you know, interested in a book at all that they used to pile that stuff on me. But it's the same deal. 
Um, so, you know, I've never really thought about it this way, but one of the things we used to do early on in this podcast is sort of like talk about science fiction like it's layers of, of a tree. Like this was the pulp age of science fiction and this was the gold age and, and, you know, so on like that. And there was sort of a cyberpunk era between, I don't know, 82, 83 and the 2000s. But in some ways, that's not really a good description of what's going on, because like, if I announced I was going to write a golden age science, science fiction novel, people would put me in a rubber room. <laughs> but saying you're writing a, a cyberpunk novel is perfectly legitimate, because like, the form didn't die. It was just the main focus for a while. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of what I was trying to do is, uh, you know, I, I kind of took the idea that uh, cyberpunk is you know, just kind of more, it's, it's less about like, you know, uh, writing a specific, uh, you know, this is the setting, but, uh, you know, kind of like how people adapt to technology. How does, you know, technology, like, you know, the, the, how does technology like make us worse? You know, how does it, you know, the, you know, the whole thing, uh, uh, you know, like one of the things I have in Busted Synapses is uh, there's this giant corporation that controls pretty much the entire world and especially, you know, the Western hemisphere. And, uh, you know, you kind of see that too, um, that as a result, as a uh, reaction to Reaganomics in the 1980s, where they would have, you know, like that's where William Gibson and Sterling and all of them started. And um, so that's kind of what I was doing because that stuff really hasn't ever gone away. Sure. Right. I mean, I, I don't know about you, uh, Erica, but I always uh, have approached the idea, the way Gibson approached AI uh, or, or general AI, if we we want to get technical, um, his idea always seemed to me to be a sort of a metaphor for a corporation's going concern and how immortal a corporation is. Uh, I don't know if you approach the cyberpunk aspect of that in that way, but that's my takeaway from it. Was there anybody else other than Gibson that you were sort of reaching for in writing cyberpunk? Um, well, Philip K. Dick, you know, my favorite, probably author, uh, you know, you know, kind of that proto cyberpunk thing. Uh, so he's definitely one of them. I'm also a fan of uh, Pat Cadigan. Um, a lot of the ones from again, the 90s, the aughts. Uh, uh, Walter Mosley was a really big, um, you know, not so I haven't read any of his more recent stuff, but he wrote a, uh, a collection back like in 99 or so that was pretty formative. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, pretty much if you name a author from like that certain, you know, area of literature, I would find something to be, you know, like some kind of touchstone there. I, I read a lot. Yeah, I actually, uh, I started pulling up Walter Mosley and started digging through his stuff, which is a really stupid thing to do when you're interviewing somebody. So I'm just going to set my phone down. Um, Pat Cadigan uh, definitely leaped out at me because one of the things that sort of uh, bugged me about uh, uh, cyberpunk as opposed to like the new wave, for example, is that there, there was actually a reduction in major female science fiction writers of note. I mean, like Pat Cadigan is sort of the, the reigning queen of that era if you're going for it. Um, I, that was a really weird thing about how it it feels almost like we took a step backwards. I mean, I know we took so many steps backward in the eighties, but uh, in terms of like women in the genre, yeah, it did kind of seem like you know it stepped back. 
Yeah. Okay. So, so it's not just me. That that's that was definitely a thing. Okay. <laughs> um. So, uh, let let's talk about the big so so for a minute. Uh. Do do you could could you give our readers sort of an outline of what it's like? Uh. And then maybe Carlo, you could tell them where to find it because you just handed it to me on a platter. <laughs> sure. Um, so the big so-so takes place in, um, it's meant to be kind of a more of a comedy than most of my stuff is very bleak. This is bleak, but it's like a funny kind of bleak. So um, it takes place uh, in not really the future, just kind of in, you know, like a post-apocalyptic era where aliens have come to Earth. Uh, they uh, kind of hung out uh, in the Earth's atmosphere for like maybe like, you know, uh, two or three months and they started pumping like chemicals into our, our water supply and the chemicals you know, they made you be very happy very high you know kind of just like they're like shrooms in the water and then the aliens uh it's a very complicated backstory but the aliens abduct 10 percent of the earth's population abduct them and then they take the chemicals away so what the characters are left with is this world where people's um, brains have basically been destroyed by alien chemicals they, uh, 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 they, you know, kind of spend all day like moping around. And in the story, The Big Soso, which is also the first in a series, um, uh, you see uh, one of the characters comes up with the idea for a musical genre that when you hear it, you kind of like get out of the alien created funk and uh, start living again. Uh, and it happens, it takes place in Pittsburgh because a lot of my stories take place around there. Uh, and so, uh, in the story, you know, they, this is like the first uh, time that people have actually been able to be alive. Uh, and so the story, uh, is just kind of basically about, you know, getting through the apocalypse, getting through, I wrote it before the election, before anything happened recently. So, uh, but you know, kind of like foreshadowing, but it's kind of like, you know, how do you live after, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened has happened? Yeah, it's, it's, uh. It, it, it's it really it really did catch me because the, the 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 main character was sort of at a remove of what was going on in a very is, interesting way. He was uh, like, what 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 do you call it when you have the the non typical response to a drug? Um, so she was supposed to be like, um, I guess. Uh, oh, I don't know if you use a term in there, but it, in the story, she's just described as like you know not being uh, you know particularly active to it. Um, re reactive hey, to it. Oh, outli looking. outlier might be the term. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Right now, it's uh, chemical insensitive. Chemically insensitive. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I probably should read. You know, um, should have, you know, read up on this one again, even though I wrote it. But um, sorry. <laughs> oh, once you're done, it's, you're done. I get yeah. it. <laughs> well, once I am done with the story, I'm done with the story. But uh, so yeah, she's chemically insensitive, and she's not the only one in this world um, who's chemically insensitive. Uh, but because of that, um, she's kind of like has a more of a, you know, loopy take on things. She's supposed to be kind of like ADD, you know, uh, and yeah, she's definitely not. And that's kind of a running thing with the couple of stories I've written in this continuity is that she's at a remove from the action and just kind of like can comment on the things around that are happening. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it, it's a really interesting way to get distance. I mean, it, it really, I mean, insofar as anybody could be in a situation like this at all, it, it felt it felt like she was moving in a direction that I could understand. Like it, it, it was it was great. I loved it. So, um, if uh, 
let's just say hypothetically we had 600 people sitting around listening to this who wanted to know where to get a hold of the story. Uh, Carlo, do you have any suggestions for them? Uh, actually, I do. Um, I mean, apart from it, it, it showed up originally in IntraZone, if I'm remembering correctly, but it was reprinted at Escape Pod. Um, so it's uh, on episode 657 of Escape Pod uh, online. So they could look it up, look it up there. And uh, we could probably also include that in the show notes if we wanted. Yeah, I think we should. That's a good idea. Make people read. Um, oh, and uh, we should probably change the tone a little. Hold on. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, I am without beverage at the moment. <laughs> oh, you're killing me, dude. Okay. Um, no, as, you, sorry, as you can man. tell, this is a pretty formal environment, Eric. <laughs> so... Uh, Busted synapses. Uh, let's just say I do want to go out and buy this, and I do. Uh, what are my options? Well, um, right now it's not out quite yet, but it's uh, you can pre-order it on the Broken Eye Books website. Um, you know, that's the publisher, and um, also uh, uh, pretty much you know Amazon, you know, Powell's, Barnes and Noble, all of those. Uh, and um, uh, but yeah, it doesn't come out until well, yes, if you're you reading this now, you would go to uh, the bus, the, the you know, the site right now and get it. But uh, uh, and um, sorry, what we you were asking about uh, how to get it? Um, yeah, I would say you know pretty much anywhere you but normally buy books, and you know hopefully somewhere other than Amazon. Okay, okay. And uh, one one thing you said in this was really interesting to me. It's uh, first in a series. Uh, it, do you, do you sort of have it mapped out in your head at the Definitely. moment? Okay. I, in my head and a little bit on paper, uh, the first one is kind of, uh, again, it's a it's a short novel, so it's kind of, uh, you know, like an introductory introductory kind of thing to, uh, you know, what's going on. And uh, the whole um, setting of the book is that cities have basically become completely taken over by the corporations, have become... Uh, completely uh hu normal humans can't live there you have to be a billionaire to live there that kind of thing okay. and well, hold uh, on where where does the science fiction come in <laughs> <Sorry>. that's, <laughs> that's yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of when i when i reread the book um you know uh, this year to um you know for the copy editing i realized you know this this is le less science fictiony than when i first wrote it in 2017 and it's only been three years <laughs> What is time again? Yeah. <laughs> and then everything's accelerating like three somewhere. Years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's 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 wild that um that uh, we 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 did get one of the science fictional worlds that were that we were promised uh, just not the one that we we wanted really. <laughs> like what just give me a jet pack. That's all that's all I really wanted out of this. <laughs> I just wanted to be George Jetson, okay? <laughs> Can we get so, the can we get the movable sidewalks everywhere? Come on. So it sounds like you have uh, you have roots in multiple places. Like you're 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 living in Portland right now, and you've you also have sort of a uh, a Pennsylvania background. Um, how much of that is informing your story? I mean, beyond location, is there um, is there outlook changes that have have happened as a result of you jumping around a little? Oh, I definitely say so. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, even though I base most of my stories in the same place, I don't really have much of an attachment to place anymore. 
you know, after moving basically uh, seven times in like five years, um, although some of them were like within the city moves, uh, you know, I, I kind of, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, and, and, you know, it's, it's true that like people have similarities, but there's also huge differences between out here and on the East coast, you know, or, or you know, you know, Pennsylvania, you know, pe people tend to, one of the things about Portland is, uh, you know, people don't tend to focus on their jobs quite as much. So sometimes you'll go like months without, uh, knowing what somebody actually does for a paycheck. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of different. So I'd say, you know, pretty much anywhere you go, there's going to be differences. And, uh, I hope that like meeting a bunch of people and, you know, living in different places, is giving me more of a, uh, you know, worldly perspective for somebody who's like never left, you know, uh, America hardly. Fair enough. Uh, how about, oh, I, actually there was something I was sort of curious about. Well, you, you talked a little bit about your influences and who you pay attention to. And, and one, of, one of the people you really called out was Philip K. Dick. And that started making me think about uh, unreliable narrators and actually sort of a, a flexible reality that you don't necessarily know what's going on. And, and then I'm like, well, you know, I don't really know just because she, she like likes a particular author, whether she models or even steals off of that person. Are there people you model or steal off of? And in what way? Um, well, I wouldn't call it stealing, but yeah, um, <laughs> that, that really came out wrong. Thank you no, for being tolerant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, like I said, he, he is one of the, the main influences there. Uh, I actually did. Um, it's not, it's not, it's a novel that has not been, you know, published yet. It may not, probably never will be. Uh, it's kind of a novel that I kind of, where I, I, I have an unpublished novel. I kind of ripped the um, structure of a PKD novel. Um, so again, because I'm such a super fan, I have one of his, uh, um, you know, uh, biographies. I have a couple of biographies actually, but uh, in one of them, he kind of talked about how he created uh, each book around three storylines. And, uh, you know, kind of like in most of his books have between like three and five point of view characters, uh, how one character would be kind of like a everyday person. And then you'd have like different, you know, kind of like the id, you know, ego, super ego kind of thing. Uh, it was a really well written. It was a paragraph, you know, a couple of paragraphs that he had written about like how I structure novels. So I kind of ripped that off for uh, this this one novel, but it didn't really work out for me considering that like it's pretty much back in the trunk. So, oh no. So so uh, let me see if I'm understanding. So you had like a, a Rashomon where it's all the same person, just different layers of his of uh, his no, consciousness. It, it, it was different characters, but it was just the um, uh, the one passage that he um, you know where Philip K. Dick talked about it was. Uh, how he had one guy who was like the, you know represented the id and then like another character oh, who oh. you know kind of like different layers of like you know a, a plot kind of thing i got you okay okay sorry i i, I sort of like was having trouble understanding that concept but then again well, it's, uh, it's cool sort of ideas. modeled <laughs> no no it's awesome uh, but again I, I think i was just saying i was thinking like oh it's a pkd um idea so <laughs> maybe that's my my problem <laughs> Well, I mean, I definitely do like writing characters that have, um, uh, uh, that, that, that are, you know, unreliable. Like, uh, my first novel had a character with schizophrenia who, uh, yeah, you know, doesn't, and that one probably is also very, you know, PKD, you know, you know, 
mindfuck inspired kind of thing uh, where she doesn't, you know, she's been, she's told that uh, there's this, this, you know, force that's taking over the world and uh, she, uh, uh, you know, doesn't know whether or not to believe it because she's crazy, you know, in quotes. Well, that's, that's, that you, you'd gotten the, was it the British uh, Science Fiction Award? The BSFA? Um, uh, no, the um, British Fantasy Award. Stay crazy, right? right? For stay, for stay, for crazy, stay crazy. Which really surprised me because I did not up to that point think of it as fantasy. And then after that, I started calling it an urban fantasy because, you know, that seemed to be the best description. So I, I may be the one of the few people who fell back into a genre based on like being nominated for and winning an award. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I always well, thought of it that, as a sci-fi novel, but you know, I, I I don't really pay that much attention to labels. Yeah, I mean that that's fine. I think that we here are fans of what is it, the literature of the fantastic. Yeah, uh, we're trying we're trying to step away from too much categorization because, I mean, I know for a fact that sometimes I'll write something and I'm like, is this what is this exactly? And it's like I I don't even know. Doesn't matter. Let's just send it out. It doesn't matter. Somebody else will figure it out. I, I think those things are fun toys to play with. Like like those genre categories are useful for marketing and maybe they help somebody level out where they want to go. But like sometimes people just want to write a story as far as I can tell. Yeah, I, I think they're more limiting than uh, they are liberating. I, I absolutely hated uh, having to, when I was looking for a, a, a agent for the last novel, trying to figure out how to, what to call it because it's like, I, I don't know, you, you tell me. <laughs> it, it reminds me of this uh, interview that I heard where it, it, it was an author that was saying like, basically like they had come up from a, an earlier time and there was like sort of uh, amazed at how much work uh, you know, like uh, the author has to do nowadays. And it's like, that's sort of not their job. Uh, isn't that somebody else's job to do to go sell the book? You're expecting the author to sell the book too? I was shocked when I realized how much like you had to actually, you know, sell the book on your own. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm with small presses, so that's, you know, maybe slightly different for people on larger presses, but probably not significantly if, you know, what I can hear from people who have major deals have said that, you know, the, 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 you basically have to do like 90% of the work yourself. Wow. Which, you that's know, a, that's a lot. I mean, it's like, I, uh, and I, and I, I suck at that. <laughs> and I think well, most I'm, authors probably suck at that. You know, if they, if, you know, if they're being right. honest with themselves. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, if you think about, well, my talent is I sit in a room by myself, and I uh, document stuff that happens in my head. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that makes you an introvert in and of itself, but <laughs> definitely probably not uh, sort of helping you develop skills to be outgoing and gregarious about it. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you think about it, what I do is I sit in a room by myself and I talk to people who do what you just described. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you make content from their content. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a recycler. <laughs> it's, it's it's part of the part of the deal, man. Um, so, did you want to talk about any other uh, stories? I I wanted to talk to you about how much I really loved um, Lucky Girl. 
Is that I, I'm I may be misremembering the title, the one that you sold to the dark. Oh yeah, the the one I had in the dark a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, that one came about. Uh, so it's a story that uh, is based again in the real world. Um, you know, it's a woman who just moved to Portland. I think I just moved to Portland when I wrote it, so that's why I put it in the story. But um, the whole idea behind the story is that uh, when you when you di- when you die, like your your consciousness kind of splits into two, and so basically everybody is immortal. The idea that uh, mm-hmm. your consciousness will c- keep continuing on and on. Uh, so you know, say you know if you if uh, you know if you get into like a car accident and you know you die but you live it's kind of like Schrodinger's cat if you uh, subject Schrodinger's cat to like you know uh, thing after thing after thing there's always going to be a version of Schrodinger's cat that is alive you could run the um, simulation 2,000 times and one would always keep surviving Mm -hmm. uh, you know just based on the odds so in the story uh, it takes it's basically a long conversation between this woman who's just moved to Portland and uh, this and her fiance's uh, sister who has just been released from a mental institution for like the, you know, dozenth time uh, after trying to kill herself. And she's trying to kill herself over and over and over because uh, she's realizing that this is going on and she's trying to escape the world and realizing through like this series of experiments that, uh, you know, the world is completely inescapable. We're all locked into our own solipsistic universes. And, uh, you know, there's basically like no exit, you know, nobody dies and you can't really disprove that because none of us have actually died yet. Well, and, and, and if I'm remembering correctly, because this is the, um, the quantum immortality, uh, thought, uh, thought experiment um, your consciousness would continue so even if you did and you weren't aware of the branches um, you you would not experience that death you would not see it mm-hmm. so you even if like if someone did see their own you know like the branches like the 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 titular lucky girl in the in the story um, she couldn't explain it to somebody else so that, well that Sorry, I, I sorry, Pete. I think <laughs> I brought everyone down now. Well, I mean, we we promised that this would be interesting. We didn't promise necessarily an uplifting experience, so I think that's okay, dude. Oh, that's fair. We are Podside Picnic. We are not Hope Punk it, Picnic. It's no picnic here, folks. <laughs> no picnics. No picnic. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm. I, one of the one of the things about having this conversation w- with you, uh, when when the earlier book was mentioned, I ended up uh, grabbing my phone again, and I, I stumbled across Sasquatch Summer, and uh, which I'm probably going to read immediately after this, which does us no good at all. But I mean, you do have a, a quite a body of work sitting out there that I'd like to mine through. Like just based on this conversation and my experience with the one story alone, if you were me, where would I start? Um, well, I would probably start with the big so-so. I, that's probably the one that I'm most proud of of my like short fiction. Um, in terms of when you can get online, uh, I'd say uh, my story in Clark's World from 2015 um, called uh, what was it? Oh, called Loving Grace, uh, which is about uh, kind of post-scarcity. 
what happens when you know you have uh, a world where there's no scarcity, but you still have work ethic, and people are kind of forced to work anyway, and you know are kept kind of. You know, a lot of my stories are basically about the government and uh, society like fucking you over or yeah. businesses fucking you over. But like basically, you know, get in this story, like the government fucks you over by like, you know, we, we have unlimited. We basically have unlimited stuff, but they're only giving you a certain amount of stuff because, you know, they, they are, you know, cho- choosing to let capitalism work, even though like you don't need capitalism anymore. So yeah. that would be when I would say, um I have one that I think you can only read in Inner Zone right now. I hopefully it'll be reprinted at some point, but um, uh, called uh, uh, the Goddess of the Highway that I'm pretty proud of. Where uh, you know, again, post-apocalyptic, like most of my stories, but um, uh, about a trucker who kind of uh, sees this highway hallucination uh, every time he uh, uh, goes a certain distance on. Uh, trucker speed and uh you know doing certain things and you don't know again whether or not it's true or whether it's false and then a bunch of other stuff happens um so yeah i, I do have a lot to go through but um i would say of the ones that are online um probably my clarksville story i have a lot of stories from daily science fiction if you only have like you know five minutes to read a story sure <laughs> oh that's a lot of flash that- that I mean, that's exciting to me because I'm um, I, I'm a I'm a paper shredder when it comes to reading. I really go through it. So th- this is I mean I it's nice it's nice to find an author who's got stuff around there I can like hunt for. That's cool. Um, I I don't know. This doesn't necessarily relate to your work, but how how did you two meet one another? Um, we met uh, in Baltimore whenever I lived there. Oh, okay. it was about yeah, like about five years, five? No, maybe seven years ago by now. Yeah, uh, I, for whatever reason, my brain keeps on like uh, moving everything to five years ago, and it it can't be that. Um, yeah, y- although uh, we met, yeah, in Baltimore, and um, yeah, by then you had been publishing stuff for a while, so uh, I was still coming up. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I remember, you know, when I used to go to, like, um, this Fist and, uh, you know, the, the, the giant library they would have there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're the we, – we had um, Sherry on uh, just recently, and she was commenting on the gigantic uh, walls full of books and stuff like that. Uh, it's, just, it's sort of funny that we've had the, the, the same reference <laughs> twice. <laughs> it is striking. It is like uh, – just so you know, Pete, it's like 11,000 books up on the walls. That sounds wonderful, actually. <laughs> right. Uh, Erica, I did. Uh, I noticed something that I had, uh, I guess I had forgotten that I'd seen. Um, and I just picked up that uh, Bane book, the weird World War III, mm-hmm. um, to, to read another, uh, another story. And I see that you have Where You Lead, I Will Follow, an oral history of the Denver incident. You want to talk yep. a little bit about that? Oh, that is another story that, um, you know, I really had a lot of fun writing. Um, So I was asked to be in a Bane anthology and uh, I was super excited. Uh, You know, I do not probably align with the politics of most of the people who publish through Bane, but that's perfectly okay (laughs) with me. Um, So, uh, and I was asked by the, uh, you know, and by the uh, editor, do you want to contribute a story? And uh, they're all stories about uh, what if, the U.S. and Russia had gotten into like a hot war, just things about 
Cold War based Russia US stories. Uh, so my story is a, like it says, an oral history of, uh, it's told through 10 points of view uh, about uh, basically the United States turned a nuke on itself um, accidentally. Uh, so in the world of the story, there's a Pokemon Go kind of game. Uh, and the characters all follow this Pokemon Go kind of game called Follow the Leader. And uh, uh, the game tells them instructions to do of things in like the real life. So it'll say like, you know, turn this person's computer off or, you know, put a post-it note saying this on somebody's desk. And so basically people are doing these little adjustments to reality all the time for points. And uh, nobody knows where the game came from. The game just kind of popped into existence one day. And uh, so one of the places the game is played is a U.S. Uh, Air Force uh, nuclear facility. And so uh, people are there just doing little things like, you know, moving people's pens, moving people's like computers around, deleting a couple things and uh, just to get the points in the game. And so we wind up taking a nuke that was pointing at Moscow and pointing it back to Washington, D.C. and, you know, detonating it. And uh, kind of like the, the story is how people dealt with in the aftermath. There are, you know, like memories of playing this game that, you know, the, a lot of them still love the game, even though like the game basically, you know, blew up like, you know, half of, uh, you know, North America. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, I, I, I won't, you know, well, maybe I'll spoil a little, but at the end of the story, you find out it's not really Russia starting this game. The game is so complicated, so complex that really no human beings could make the game so that kind of gives you a you know pointer about where the you know the game uh you know probably came from uh but uh it's so it's it's basically a story i tried with the story to do um each of the characters in a slightly different voice so you know because there's 10 of them there's some that you know one of the people is the person who she actually pressed the button that caused the bomb to go off another one was the one that you know uh deleted the line of code uh you know the different things that people did and then also there's like a a, you know, character who uh, is a journalist who was able to, like, uh, hide from the game, you know, after, like, giving the game, like, good press. So basically, it's about all these people who are being manipulated by this, uh, you know, extraterrestrial or, like, you know, like, demonic force to do all these things and have no idea, like, you know, what's how, how they all wound up, you know, doing this. That sounds awesome. So, I, so I, I, this was like, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was, I, I, so basically I, on Twitter, I was calling it my Pokemon Go destroys the world game. <laughs> Pokemon Story. Go nuke the White House. Although <laughs> that would get you banned um, <laughs> on Twitter, at least. Uh, but uh, it sounds like a combination of like Ingress and like those uh, weird in real life uh, uh, sort of like uh, works that you see, like I, I think there was uh, an article in like uh, Rolling Stone about cicada or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard about that. Haven't heard of that one, but like you know, like the, the what is it, the enhanced reality games? Um, mm -hmm. Remember the one from like the the two thousands called like I Love Bees or something? I think it was. I did not. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get into that one. I did uh, sign up for Ingress, and then uh, that became Pokemon Go. Mm -hmm. um, uh, way back when, and I haven't really like it creeped me out after a while. I was like, eh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Deleted it and was like, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work for for free for these dummies. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, I, I never got into the Ingress. Um, 
you know, I, I got into the Pokemon Go pretty much, you know, like three years after everybody else. So, mm, okay. you know, in like 2019, which is also like when I wrote the story. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm now, I'm, now I have something to look forward to and, and read right away. I actually think it's maybe one of my most um, experimental story, which is hilarious because it's in the Bane anthology and they're, you know, thought it was like stodgy and not experimental. So that was, <laughs> that was, that's really cool to say. Well, yeah, yeah. I think that's, uh, I mean, 10 points of view. How long is it? Um, the story is about 5,000 words. F with 10, 10 points of view. That's, yep. yeah, that's very expensive. It's very experimental. Um, I'm sorry, Pete, I think I cut you off. Oh, I don't know. I think I was probably going to talk about Pokemon Go or something. This is a much better direction. Go with it. <laughs> All right. So, um, and so, is there anything else you wanted to tell us about? Uh, any, do you have, are you working on anything right now? Or well, um, you, you said that you were going to be working on possibly more busted synapses uh, types types of books. I, I'm basically at this point. I'm trying to figure out what I should do next. I have a novella um that's set in actually the continuity of the big so-so uh that uh is pretty much almost finished i'm mostly dawdling on the end uh not the end but like the finishing touches on the editing uh i think because i'm like you know scared to send it out but um that one is probably my you know hopefully what i have published next and uh i'm kind of just seeing at this point uh which one of my series is going to be like asked for first um I know that my publisher has said if uh, Busted Synapses does well, you know, he would potentially talk about, you know, maybe doing another uh, couple of books. So I'm hoping it does because then I can start writing that. And if not, then, uh, you know, maybe um, writing something brand new. I mean, I always have ideas and I always have sketches. It's mm -hmm. just more like I've, I've, you know, written a lot of words that have not been published. Uh, like I don't have an agent and I don't, you know, again, I have a small press publisher or soft press writer. So, uh, you know, I don't want to spend like a year writing a book novel that may not necessarily go anywhere. So that's why I've been writing a lot of shorter novels and a lot of like trying to just see what hits. So I'm hoping that this is the one that hits because if so, then I can start, you know, crank, not cranking them out, you know, it's necessarily but just writing more of them, which I'd really like to do. But uh, I also, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, sad because I've, I've just discovered I really like writing in series of things and uh but I also you know don't have a publishing deal so you know mm. that, the, yeah I could see that so um and, and you said uh that busted synapses is coming out through broken eye books they have a patreon and I just wanted to point out they uh are well known for doing a lot of um sort of modernized uh like uh Cthulhu mythos stuff, right? Am I mm -hmm. mistaken? Yeah, I, I actually have a story in one of the um, Lovecraftian anthology. I think they have like uh, two, three or four Lovecraft specific ones. Like they have one that's like Lovecraft in the Steam era kind of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, the one I'm in is uh, you go, you know, Miskatonic University, so it's the all college and university stories. Right. I think they, they also had their first one was what, Ride the Star Wind or something like that? Which Yeah, is that, much that was more... the one that was Cosmic Horror. I have that, though. I've only read a couple of the stories. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, th that was the, I think that was actually their, the first book he ever published, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if I, 
I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, uh, and you said that you have something forthcoming in there, uh, Miskatonic U, or is it already out? Uh, I, it's already out, I believe. Um, it's uh, in the in the uh, book. Uh, it came from Miskatonic University. That's right. And All it's right. actually a first co-written story with my husband. Oh, that's cool. That you want to talk cool. about that? Yeah, um, he's. You know, uh, he's also a writer, although he doesn't really send things out, but uh, he does all of my editing. We kind of have a, you know, th there's this stereotype of like a, you know, tortured male writer who has like a woman coming in, like fixing all of his drafts and everything. Well, that's what I have. So, you know, <laughs> but for this one, we both kind of wrote, you know, sections of the story and then we kind of swapped and edited each other's sections. And kind of then tried to make it into a cohesive whole, which I think it worked out. So, um, you know, I was really excited about that. I, I really like the process of co-writing, although, you know, uh, you know usually it's like 95% me, 5% him. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I mean, and did it did it take, um, did you find that both of you were sort of, uh, after a while, adopting each other's sort of styles or... Definitely. He, he said that for when he wrote the, the, you know, the section of the story that he wrote, that he wrote them kind of in my style. So, you know, I have no idea what that means because I've never been able to figure out what my style actually is. But he says <laughs> that I have one. So uh, I'm taking his word for it. That makes sense. I mean, it, it could be as simple as like, well, the way I feel when I read something that you write. <laughs> but um, so and 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 uh, so. Broken Eye Books has their own Patreon and everything like that. And um, did you? I, I, am I misremembering, or did you? Uh, did you take a? Did you take class with Nick Mamatas? Or is it? Am I saying that right? I think it's Mamatas. Um, Mamatas. Okay. And uh, I didn't take his class, but we've been um, friends and, and you know associates for a long time. Uh, he actually, uh, you know. Uh, purchased the first of my uh, stories that wasn't, uh, you know, for like a local, I mean, well, my first published story was in a local anthology in Pittsburgh, but uh, my second story was in Clark's World back in 2007. And um, mm -hmm. ever since then, you know, we've kind of been close, you know, um, he's been a really big, you know, supporter of my writing. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. So uh, did you have anything else uh, you want to ask Pete? Um, Oh, or, or do you want to add anything, Erica? I'm sorry. No, I uh, go ahead. Uh, well, uh, no, no. I, I think, I think we we uh, went around to a lot of good places. Uh, thank you, Erica. Yeah, and thank. thank anything you you'd like on. to add, as long as you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so, sorry for all the rambling. I, you know, I, I think that the quarantine is getting to me because every time I talk to somebody, uh, I, I feel like I can't talk anymore. <laughs> because I, I, I honestly like go, will go days without talking to anybody except for my husband. I, it was, you know, what was, a, I couldn't get back to the office and then I, you know, got uh, laid off. So it's kind of just been me at home alone for like eight months now. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, uh, ba basically, you know, just if you sound like, if, if my stuff sounds like the kind of stuff you'd be interested in, you know, go to my website and, you know, check out uh, some of the short stories. Um you know, a lot of them are, are free online. Some of them are, but a lot of them are. And, um, you know, hopefully the book does well. And if you are interested in the book, it'll be out today. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. 
And just so that we know, as just I'm going to announce it here. Uh, Erica's website is called The Garden of Sporking Paths. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to include it in the show notes, and I'm going to make sure that we link everything uh, that we've discussed uh, of your work on here. Um, so uh, if there's anything else you want to ask or add, uh, Pete? Uh, no, no. I, I think that's a good place to leave it, guys. Check the show notes. There is stuff there. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, Erica, thanks so much for ha- for agreeing to come here. Come oh, on to the podcast. Uh, thank you for podcast. having me. And like I said, you know, sorry if I was rambling everything, but it's like, you know, I really, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Oh, we, oh, we no. hope you ramble. It's it's <laughs> yeah, it's good we, for us. <laughs> we encourage it. <laughs> it's it, We want you to talk about your stuff. All right. Well, uh, if that's all, uh, I guess that should be it. Thanks for everything. And we'll see you soon, right? Yeah. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.